friends. Blazers Nation, this is Jack Winter, your Portland Trailblazers beat writer for Clutch Points, and you are listening to Talking Trailblazers. It is Tuesday evening on April 12th. The Cleveland Cavaliers and Brooklyn Nets are playing the first play-in game right now. I've got a recording, which means the Blazers season is over. And uh, for those fans who stuck it out, who stuck it out with the Blazers all the way, all the way through the end of the season, they probably aren't too sad about that. The Blazers finished 2021-22 at 27 and 55, good for their worst season in terms of winning percentage all since all the way back in 2005 and 2006. They lost their last 11 games. And my favorite, well, I don't know if it's my favorite stat, but really the most telling uh, indicator of just how committed the Blazers were to tanking after the All-Star break is that their net rating post-All-Star was minus 21.3. And that was last in the league. And of course, that's not surprising. But what might be surprising is that the Oklahoma City Thunder, second to last, their net rating post All-Star is minus 11.3, a full 10 points per 100 possessions better than the Blazers. It's really a testament to the tank job put on by Joe Cronin, which again, I think is absolutely the best path forward for this team. The biggest reason why is because it netted the Blazers the sixth best lottery odds in the upcoming NBA draft. They are now guaranteed to pick in the top 10 with a 37.2% chance of that pick landing in the top four. There's a 29.8% chance they pick seventh and a 206 percent chance they pick eighth now it's almost time to move on to those bigger and better things like the draft like free agency like analyzing potential trade targets just the off season in general before we get there we're going to address some positives negatives and questions that need answering on the blazers 2021-22 season with our favorite guest justice rogers we will we're going to take a quick break then we'll be right back Okay, we are back with Talking Trailblazers. This is Jack Winter, and our best friend of the show, Justice Rogers, is back. Justice, how are we doing? I, man, I'm doing great. I can't complain. It's a uh, another cold day here in the Pacific Northwest. Got, got a little snow the last two days here in Portland, so you know how that goes. It's hailed two separate times in the last two hours here, so I, I have no idea what's going on with the weather, but it's not a sign of anything good, I would say, for Mitty. <laughs> So. I'm de- I'm definitely jealous of uh, some of the NBA players who are on vacation in Can- Cancun and around the world right now because their season's over. So <laughs> maybe we'll just end this podcast with one, two, three, Cancun. You know, like they all do at the uh, you know at the at the start of the 82nd game of the season. Hey, I'm down. I'm in. <laughs> well, the Blazers obviously just played their 82nd game of the season. I was not there. I was back on the East Coast for a family wedding. Justice, on the other hand, was there. And Justice, I know you took some notes on this last and. You know, thankfully, honestly, final game of the regular season for the Blazers. Uh, what did you see that you liked? You know, one thing I do need to start off with is I know in the last episode I said I, I think I said I wasn't going to this game. I think even in the in the lost episode I made it pretty clear I'm not going to the last game of the season. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be anything to see. Right. You know, my mind changed. It got to about Saturday, which is pretty late for me for. You know, make sure making sure I'm on the uh, the list with my credential and everything. Yeah, seriously, um, but at the last minute, you know, at the last minute on Saturday, I said, you know what? Let me send my email so I can get in the game. And I went, and you know, I honestly thought it was going to be a sellout crowd. It wasn't. It was pretty packed, but not not a sellout. Um, and I got to say, I was even in the loss. I was kind of impressed. Uh, in our last episode, we kind of talked about some of the young guys uh, that we've seen a lot of playing time from. Uh, with Dane being out and with CJ being shipped out of here. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat in the first and second quarter, mainly just the first half, 
I was really impressed by D.D. Lazada. Yeah. Even in my notes here, I have underlined keep him because I like this guy's game, man. He started the game. He was in the starting five. And even in my notes, my uh, what I have here about him is he plays a nice, patient game. And I think that's important, especially for young guys who are not vets. You know, you, you're used to seeing the young guys and rookies who are kind of running all over the place. And, you know, they kind of got that. I don't even know what the word would be, but that energy that just kind of makes them bounce around. Well, what if you called it Greg Brown, the third energy? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, I think I used the word squirrely for him in the past. So, yeah, right. um, yeah, I would say uh, Didi is the total opposite. He almost... Yeah, he gives me like a like a hard nosed vet type of vibe. Where I watched this game, I saw him, you know, hit a couple pull up jumpers, and even the way he rotates throughout the offense, it was like, wow, this guy is as young as he is. He, you know, it's not a slow game, but he's very patient. He's not he's not playing in a rush. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing that you know, Luzada is kind of a blank a blank canvas at this point, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, he has no NBA track record to speak of, and really not much of a track record in the G League. I just pulled up his G League stats here. He's played two G League games this season. I think he was out for a long time. I think he was even suspended. Um, Might have been for a uh, like a. You know what? I'm not going to speculate on what his on what his suspension was for. Other than, <laughs> other than it didn't have to anything to do with uh, you know, right? Not basketball related. <laughs> Right, I can't. I can't remember exactly what the infraction was, but it, it was imposed on him by the league and had nothing to do with the legal system. Let's just Got say it. that. Um, okay. But like, what immediately jumped off the page to me uh, about Luzada during the you know once the Blazers made the made the CJ trade is just the fact that he's an actual wing sized player. You know, True. he's a, he's more of a two three size type guy, whereas a lot of the Blazers players, as we've discussed, are you know six three with six four six five wingspans. Whether we're talking about Dame, whether we're talking about Ant, even Keon Johnson is about that size. Ben McLemore, who's a free agent this summer, uh, yeah. he's he's of that size. Obviously, CJ was as well. But just to get any any younger player, and Luzada's twenty two, is about to turn twenty three this summer. Any younger player with a first round pedigree that has wing size, um, you know, that's that's something any rebuilding team or I guess reloading team, uh, maybe a better a better way to describe the Blazers. That's something any reloading team could use. So you like that with Luzada with six five, around two hundred pounds, with a six seven, six eight wingspan. That's someone who could potentially factor into what Chauncey Billups wants to do, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Really, once he gets comfortable enough with the NBA game, which based on what you saw of him in the season finale, I suppose you think maybe sooner than others may anticipate. I really do. I mean, this guy just seemed very comfortable out there, you know, and I didn't think he would be nervous, but even just his level of, you know, playing with a level head, it's almost like he has ice in his veins. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, he was just in the G League. So I was really impressed by his game. If it was up to me, I would definitely keep him, have him for next season coming off the bench or Mm -hmm. whenever they could use him. Um, Because he has good energy, but it's controlled. It's not, you know, just whirling around out there. He he seems like he he knows what he's doing. Um, What I will say is about halfway through the second quarter, I was kind of surprised. The Blazers were really sticking with Utah. Now, of course, uh, the Jazz didn't have Donovan Mitchell, but they did have Rudy Gobert, who might be outside of, you know, Giannis, the tallest, longest center in the whole league right now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I kind of thought he was just going to dominate and, you know, it would be a blowout, you know, before we got to halftime. Uh, and it wasn't. The, the score was a lot closer than expected. I think it might have been maybe a three or four point difference. And this is halfway through the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And for me, it just shows how great of a coach Chauncey Billups is. I mean, we all know he was such a great player, you know, great point guard, uh, NBA champion with the Detroit Pistons. And even in college, he was great. But as a coach for in my opinion for the Blazers to be sticking that close to a team like Utah that has you know a few NBA all-stars some good uh veterans on the team as well with uh Clarkson and even Joe Ingles now I was just surprised at how close the game was going into halftime Justice this really shows what a pro you are really really <laughs> because let me tell you oh our our, our focus, <laughs> focus of the show today was just going to be discussing some positives and negatives about the Blazers 2021-22 season but then also some questions that need to be answered before next season and one of the positives I have listed here on my notes is just Chauncey Billups de- debut campaign on the sidelines and I totally agree with what you're saying even if it's not reflected in the stats Mm-hmm. Uh, post All-Star break, actually, I, I mentioned it in our intro here, but I'll mention it again uh, just mm-hmm. since I have you. The Blazers were had a minus 21.3 net rating, and that obviously ranked last in the league. The Oklahoma City Thunder, no surprise, they were 29th, but it was they were just minus 11.3. It was just an absolutely epic tank job by the Blazers. So <laughs> just looking at that number specifically, you wouldn't think that the Blazers were necessarily, you know, playing really hard under Chauncey, or they were they were playing the way he wants to play in terms of moving the ball, uh, not holding it for too long, uh, you know, getting into the teeth of, de- of the defense to draw defenders and you know, spray the ball out to shooters, push in transition, really talk and communicate and commit defensively. But we really did see that, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, even when the Blazers were really, really tanking, even after they'd shut down Dame, Nurk, and, and then even after they shut down Josh Hart and Justice Winslow and those guys, you know, it's yep. just a really, really impressive, uh, you know, just take all the statistics out of it. You can even take the film out of it. You know, you can even because obviously some of these young guys made some head scratching decisions. You'd look over, right. uh, you'd look over at Chauncey on the bench sometimes, and he'd just have his hands up, just like very confused, like "What are you doing?" Exactly. Uh, one exactly. thing they were definitely doing is playing hard and buying into what he was telling them, and that's just so so important. Uh, you know, for a rookie head coach. Yeah, I agree, and that's even that's probably maybe the second or third note that I have down here under how great Chauncey has been this season um, is great hustle. From, Great hustle from the young guns. I have that specifically here on my notepad because even during the game, of course, there's, you know, lousy turnovers and you got some of the young guys who, you know, their main leader is Ant and he didn't even play in the last game, um, right. which is understandable him being probably the number two star now and score under Dame. Well, he hasn't um, played since March 25th. Right, exactly. Yeah. So he wasn't expected to play. I didn't think he was going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, they lo- didn't look that bad to not have – their, you know, maybe second or sidekick leader out there on the floor with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I realized going back to Chauncey is I think it's really beneficial for not only the Blazers, but any NBA team uh, to have a coach that's a former point guard, specifically a pro point guard, um, just because we know all the responsibilities that a, an NBA point guard has. And so for Chauncey to be a former NBA champ or, you know, years ago, not too many years ago, but a champ with the Detroit Pistons as a point guard, I feel like he might see things in the game that maybe other coaches don't. Mm-hmm. And I would also, you know, give that uh, those props and credit to somebody like Steve Nash, who's coaching the Brooklyn Nets, uh, also former NBA uh, point guard. But I feel like 
that might even give some cred to Chauncey when he's coaching these players because, you know, Chauncey's not 60. He's not 70 years old. He's probably, what, 40-something maybe, I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I was never obviously, obviously, never a pro professional basketball player or or Division One. But one thing I will say, in all my years of playing basketball as a youngster, I could always relate to the younger coaches who recently had experience at a high level, if that makes sense. Because um, we all love the older coaches, you know, we all love the John Woodens, we all love the Coach Popoviches who, you know, have been coaching for, you know, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. But to me, there's something about that coach who's young, you know, under 50 or, you know, close to 50 where he could almost be your dad. And it's like, wow, like, well, you know, for me, I, I know we're different in, in age, but you know, for, me, <laughs> for, for me specifically, you know, being 27, you know, Chauncey, that he could be like a, you know, a father type figure to some of these players out there. Like you said, Didi is turning 22 or 23 mm-hmm. coming up here soon. So I think that has something to do with the connection Chauncey has with the players and it shows on the court. I mean, I think you agree with that as well. I absolutely do. And to your point, it was actually Brandon Williams, I believe, who said it was his first postgame presser after the Blazers called him up from the G League. He said that Chauncey was his favorite player growing up. And that he and his dad used to watch Chauncey with the Pistons all the time. And, you know, after that with the Nuggets, um, you know, and later and later with the Clippers and Chauncey's Twilight. And that's who, you know, Brandon Williams was really, really paying attention to. And I don't know if he modeled his game after after Chauncey, obviously, because they play much different styles. Chauncey was right. methodical, more of a power guard, whereas, as we've discussed with Brandon Williams a lot, he used to have so much juice with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that's, but that certainly speaks to what you're saying. Um, and as does the fact that Damian Lillard, after the Blazers fired Terry Stotts last year, the there were two names on his initial list and even though he went you know he tried tried to backtrack and say like no I didn't I didn't say this I didn't I, mm-hmm. I didn't say I wanted Chauncey and Jason Kidd but he did want Chauncey and Jason he definitely did definitely and, did and it was reported I believe it was Chris Haynes at the time and that Dame wanted to play under a point guard that he'd never played under a point guard before uh and that and that playing under a point guard like Chauncey or or Jay Kidd of course um would help him see the game in a new light and in a way he hadn't seen it before and I think you've also seen Anthony Simons talk about the impact Chauncey's had on him as a playmaker um you know how he can relate to Ant as a point guard and just tell you know call Ant over during the game and tell Ant what he's seeing what you know how how the defense how the defense is now defending him after he's hit a couple pull-ups versus how they were before just all that type of stuff is just absolutely speaks to what you're talking about and really you know makes Chauncey perhaps an asset heading into the offseason I know Joe Cronin talked about this yesterday uh, during exit interviews that they really are going to lean on Chauncey to try and recruit recruit players in free agency um, and via trade, you know, and try and really try and lean on Chauncey to get players to come to Portland. So that's another thing. I can, I'm a little more skeptical of that, honestly. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, do, I do not think players are going to be making their decisions on solely on playing for Chauncey Billups, a rookie coach who, you know, despite all the circumstances that we can discuss, we have discussed and we'll continue discussing, the Blazers went 27 and 55, you know. <laughs> like you mentioned, John Wooden, as much as we liked what Chauncey did this season, there's nothing to suggest that he's going to turn into John Wooden, you know. Right, right. Like, exactly. Um, yeah. so he's I, got potential, I'll say that. I agree. I, like, I, I really like what he did this season and I think it was, I think it was the right call, um, you know, by the dismissed Neil Olshay. Um <laughs> To replace Stotts with a guy like Chauncey, absolutely. Um, but I'm not sure that you know Chauncey's going to be quite the asset that the Blazers are hoping for in terms of uh, adding players this summer. Sure, and in in my opinion, 
you got to give him some time, you know, first year, of course, you know, I think uh, he'll grow from this. Uh, I'm, I'm really going solely based off of his relationship with the players. He seems like a player type coach. Everybody seems to kind of, kind of love him. And like we seem to both agree on having a, a former point guard as a coach, that's, that's an asset in him in itself. I mean, you know, whenever he calls Dame over to the sideline or, or Ant over, you know, mm-hmm. he's able to kind of, I feel like directly tell them, hey, you need to get to this spot or you need to you know, run this play because not only am I talking from my coaching side of my brain, I'm also talking from my former you know, NBA champion, pro all-star point guard side of my brain as well. And mm-hmm. I, I think that gives them some credit. And then lastly, outside of that, you know, after halftime, the game kind of got blown open a little bit, Utah. Uh, you know, pretty much took over, which I kind of expected, but the Blazers did have a nice little pop um, and start to the game. But outside of Didi Lozada, you got to keep CJ Ellaby. I love his energy. Young man could jump. Uh, he's not one of those guys that I see. He doesn't create too many turnovers. He has them here and there when he gets a little wily, but, you know, he's he, he plays pretty composure. So I, I do like that. Uh, I don't know if Ben McElmore is going to you know, we'll see what happens with him. I think they should definitely try to hold on to him if they can. Because mm-hmm. uh, to me, in my notes here, I have him as a young vet because obviously he hasn't played, you know, almost 20 years like LeBron, but <laughs> he is he is past that, you know, five or six year mark, I want to say, right? Does that sound about correct? Yeah, I believe he was drafted in 2013 even. So he's so he's getting up there, but he just played, uh, he just played one year at Kansas though. Right, exactly. So yeah, I would yeah, to me he's a great asset. Obviously, we know he's a great three-point shooter and like I have in my notes here, he's a good young vet to where, mm-hmm. you know, he's not too old, but he's still youngish and, you know, he he's got some legs under him. And then Reggie Perry, I think you talked about him last episode. Yeah, a little bit. I'm I'm sold on Reggie Perry. I I that young man could play, you know, uh, for me, the asset or what I see most valuable in him is his rebounding skills mm-hmm. all game. I just saw him all over the boards. And for me, I'm like, yeah, the Blazers, you got to have somebody that if Nurk's not in or, you know, if we don't get somebody this off season through the draft or summer league that, you know, is just a monster on the boards, Reggie Perry, he's very active hands. And I love that, uh, you know, for someone who could just be a good, uh, facilitator as far as getting rebounds, offensive and defensive, you know, on either end of the floor for you. No, I totally agree on Ben. I really think he found a home here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I said, he's a free agent this season. He was just signed to a one-year vet, one-year deal for the vet minimum, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. last August. Um, but I would not be surprised at all to see him re-sign with the Blazers. Uh, he really found a home here, as I said, by sprinting around screens, catching on the move. Uh, he, was, he was even, they would even run, run him in just quick pick and rolls, your dribble handoff sometimes. Um, he just looked more comfortable than he has throughout his entire NBA career to me. Um, and, and, I, and I think as we discussed in the last episode, actually, that type of movement shooting, being able to fly around screens and manipulate the defense that way without the ball, that's just not something the Blazers really have. Like as, as elite of shooters as Dame and Anthony Simons are, these aren't those guys. They're more on-ball shooters or catch-and-shoot guys. Um, so I certainly think I'd, lo- I'd love to see Ben back, absolutely. We disagree on CJ Ellaby. Oh, you're kidding. Like a hard disagreement. Okay, I got to hear this. Yeah, please lay it out. Uh, you know, I he, he plays really, really hard. <laughs> oh, boy. No, no, I mean that. I mean that. Like, okay. Like, you know, that's uh that sound that sounds like a like a loaded comment. It's really not. He plays right? he plays so hard. He's constantly mm-hmm. flying around. Uh, he actually kind of makes an impact in transition offensively uh you know he can rake and take he really runs the floor hard fills the wing mm-hmm. 
my problem is that he's just a complete non-shooter and I do True. not, and I do not see it happening. And then True. once you factor factor in that he's a non-shooter, he doesn't compensate by being a plus driver or a plus finisher or a plus passer. He's not necessarily Ooh. creating an advantage offensively anywhere. And yes, those types of guys, even though it's harder and harder for them to exist in the NBA in 2022, I think they can, right? Maybe yeah. if, if they're, if they're dynamic enough defensively, but you know, I just don't, I just don't think we saw that. Uh, we'll okay. That be. You know, he's a, he's a solid defender. And again, he tries so hard and he's a great, great rebounder, especially offensively. Um, he had some success even defending LeBron James at points this season. Like yes. he, he showed some stuff defensively. He did. I'm just not sure given his physical limitations as, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't have a, he's not six, eight with a seven, three wingspan and, you know, weighs 225 pounds and jumps out of the gym, you know? True. Um, so I just worry a bit um, about him offensively. And also, I believe his contract is non-guaranteed for next season too. And oh yeah, the Blazers, oh. the Blazers would actually have to make him a qualifying offer and then get his restricted free agent rights, which they may. Uh, but, consider, mm-hmm. but considering that you know he was acquired by the old regime, Neil O'Shea, Revan, Joe Cronin, it wouldn't shock me if they moved on from him uh, right. this summer. But you know, I, w- I would love to be wrong again. And like I know, I know so many Blazers fans would love for me to be wrong too because he went to Oregon State. Um, yes, you know, like he's a he's a hometown guy, and obviously that's a really important thing here, as it is in all markets, but especially in Portland, I would say. Um, so I'm pulling for him, just as I am for all these players. But I just, you know, I, I honestly think he's one of the least effective offensive players in the NBA right now. <laughs> gotcha. No, no, I definitely understand, and I would say, yeah, I agree. I agree with you that that is definitely a, a major part that is lacking from his game right now is outside of you know fast breaks and in transition right he's not really a serious offensive threat especially in the half court right um so yeah we would just, we'll just have to see what happens with that one i know personally i would bring him back just you know maybe because i like his hustle or energy and like you said he does play hard that stuff matters though like he like, it does it does even when it's your 11th or 12th guy like that stuff absolutely matters, um, you know, True. especially for a, you know, for a team that could incur some injuries, of course, like any team, but the Blazers could as well, as we saw this season, if you can count on a guy like CJ LB to bring him in for eight to 12 minutes, you know, on a random night when a guy gets injured uh, or, you know, Dame, Dame has an off night or something like that, you know, that, that really can change a game. So, you know, True. and like not just change a game, but that can be really important to a team's culture and the Blazers are still trying to build that culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they definitely got some uh, some culture building to do. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. And then you had mentioned earlier, and I, I just realized I, I don't think I even had a rebuttal for it. <laughs> uh, Chauncey Billups. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be the the hook for getting players to want to come and play in Portland. Yeah. I still think it's going to be Dame. Um, which is, I don't think is a bad thing because Dame seems to have a lot of good relationships uh, with guys around the league. I just think he may have to step it up a little bit as far as doing a little bit of recruiting, you know, really trying to get some, you know, top notch free agents to, you know, hopefully uh, come to Rip City. No, and that's something he said yesterday, too, that he's absolutely going to engage with the front office and engage with, you know, other players across the league in terms of getting them to Portland. So that's something that we can absolutely look forward to. But now that we've discussed some positives from the 82nd game of the regular season and some of the Blazers bit players who may or may not be here next season and got into Chauncey a little bit, which is our first positive and definitely on my list. Another positive that we can kind of seek into here is the Blazers finally, finally veering from the status quo which to me meant 
above all else, trading CJ McCollum at the trade deadline, but also moving on from Norm, from Norman Powell, Robert Covington, and Larry Nance to initiate this that epic tank job that I discussed at the beginning of the show and just allow for the possibility of a higher postseason ceiling. And, you know, so much has happened in Portland, uh, you know, in terms of basketball over the last you know, year that it's almost hard. It's almost hard to remember that, you know, it was, it was just nine months ago that it seemed like Dame was on his way out because the front office wasn't addressing, you know, his, the, the man, the public mandate he made for roster upgrades. And it, I, you know, I must say it, it does feel like a lifetime ago that I was sitting in press row by myself and a tall, handsome, lanky Caucasian male came walking <laughs> up the stairs with his laptop bag, and I said, "Who's this young man?" <laughs> he sat next to me, and I said, uh, "Oh, are you are you Jack?" And he said, "Yes, I'm Jack Winter." With you know, you might have been out of breath a little bit just from coming up those stairs, so that might have been the deal. I don't but know. Definitely but... sweating up there in that, <laughs> that walk. I can I can tell you that. Yeah, no, the the home opener. Yeah, that was the, that was a loss to the last second loss to the Kings, actually. Right, and doesn't that feel like I felt like that was like five years ago, like. <laughs> No, so so long ago but that's but that's kind of what i'm getting at is that like that's not the blazers reality anymore you know like it's as tough as the last two months were even since dame was even since dame was shelved on uh you know in early january and we kind of knew where this season was heading like the blazers now have possibility and like that's exciting you know that's 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 what really has me invigorated about covering this team about living in portland um just for the just for that possibility um, and that's really all that Dame was asking for last summer. And instead of making the moves that Joe Cronin did at the trade deadline, Neil Olshay dug in his heels and he acquired Larry Nance and he brought in Cody Zeller and he brought in Ben Lathamore. Oh, oh man, and I forgot about Cody Zeller. I know. I, I, I like the Cody Zeller signing as a, for uh, a vet minimum as a as a as your backup center. You know, when the, when Larry Nance can't play small ball five, like the, yeah. those were those were moves on the margins. And right. now, and now because Cronin did what he did at the trade deadline and initiated this incredible tank job, <laughs> <laughs> now the Blazers have again just some optimism heading into the summer. And I just think you know that's that's what matters more than anything else here. Yeah, yeah. The the optimism, the energy, even at the game on Sunday, like I said, it wasn't a packed house, but the energy was high. You know, you would tell, mm-hmm. I think it was fan appreciation night. So the fans came out, they were happy to be there, you know, free t-shirts and food and all that good stuff. One thing that I definitely believe Dame did on purpose uh, was when he gave his little speech, I think it was at halftime, he did say, hey, we're going to be better next year. We're going to be better. You know, he almost kind of made that promise, a guarantee, like, you know, thank you guys for supporting us all year, all season. But just know next year we are going to be better. So hearing Dame say that for me, especially to, you know, the entire Moda Center, the entire arena, it makes me feel like, okay, he's really going to be dedicated to getting some fresh or even veteran talent in Portland. Because I think even he is like, okay, this is this is this has gone too far. You know what I mean? Like if this is, we, we have to stop the bleeding somewhere. Well, I mean, you got, you got to do it if you're Dame because you're, I, I always forget if he's 31 or 32. I think he's, I believe he turns 32 um, this summer, I think is what it is. But okay. He, he only has so much more time left playing at this level or the level, yeah. or I suppose the level that he was at, uh, you know, at the end of 2020, 2021. And as, yes. we, and as we discussed on the last episode of the show, he's of the mind that, you know, after the, after the surgery, he got on his midsection that he's feeling better than he has in years. And he couldn't mm-hmm. believe he was as effective as he was, you know, for the past 
two, three years while dealing with that injury, um, just because now that he's not feeling that pain, he's realizing just how much pain he was in, if that makes sense. So Dame, right. Dame is thinking that he could possibly reach a level uh, that he's never reached before. Um, and if, if that's the case, and if players across the league believe it, that could certainly help in his recruiting efforts this summer. No, I agree. And I definitely... I definitely believe he believes it, which is good because he's the main person that has to have that energy. Right. Uh, even following him on social media, some of the things he's been reposting lately, uh, it, it seems like he's kind of given into the idea like, you know, this is going to be a new Dame. This is going to be a new team. And you guys just wait and see what we do next year. So I like that. I, I did actually talk to him uh, pregame oh, nice. uh, on, on Sunday and he had a nice energy about him, seemed pretty relaxed. And he was just kind of hanging out, signing autographs with the kids. And mm-hmm. and uh, he seemed comfortable and he didn't seem worried about next season. He almost he had a sense of comfortability about him, like, you know, hey, we're going to be all right. You know, it's time to you know spend the summer with the family and then we'll be back at it, you know, come close to fall. So I, I do like that from Dame. And that can actually move us into one of our questions that needs answering. And I came up with this one and it's it's honestly one of my favorite topics for this team. It has been for a couple of years. (laughs) Should Portland be comfortable re-signing Yusuf Nurkic to a multi-year deal or seek an upgrade via trade? And I'm just going to, I'm just going to let that sit there and let you answer it. Wow. I like the way you just kind of put it on the grill and you're going to see if I'm going to flip that patty or not. (laughs) I've I've got thoughts, man. I've got thoughts. Yeah, you always do. You always do. Uh, I will, you know, I'm going to pick up the spatula. I'm going to flip the patty that you put on the grill for me. And I'm going to say, even though I don't say this confidently, and I know this probably sounds weird, even the delivery of it, I'm going to say re-sign Nurk Mm -hmm. to a multi-year deal. Here's why. Nurk seems to be comfortable with Dame. Dame seems to be comfortable with Nurk. Definitely. You know, I always believe that you got to have, you know, I think this might even be Shaq's philosophy. You got to have a big man and you got to have a little man. You know, you got to have a great guard and you got to have a great center. Now, am I saying Nurk is, you know, Embiid? No, (laughs) not at all. You know, I'm not even saying Nurk is, you know, Al Horford. But Mm -hmm. to me, He's a great match for Dame's game. Um, you know, they know each other now uh, for the last couple of years. They seem comfortable. They get along. They, they got a great, you know, pick and roll action. Dame knows how, how to get it to him wherever Nurk wants it. And I, I really do think once he's back healthy again, you know, we'll see the Nurk that we're used to when he's 100%. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that's a possibility. Um, what would be much more exciting for me is if Nurk could reach that peak that he was getting to before suffering that horrible leg injury in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we saw some flashes of that, and it was really uh, it was even after Dame went down. Once they started involving him a little more in the offense, and once it was really Nurk and Ant's team, um, mm-hmm. where they started going to him in the post a little more, involving him even more in in ball screens, side pick and rolls, stuff like that, um, and where he was more effective as an individual scorer than he had been in a really long time. But still, for me, Nurk is not the type of post option that you're going to throw the ball to on a consistent basis. And that's like that's a role he's longed for. And he even said at times during uh, during the regular season, and it was before the Blazers initiated the tank and Dame had gone down, that he was frustrated with his lack of touches on the block because specifically it was something Chauncey had promised would come um, during mm. the preseason. And they just weren't coming because, let's be honest, Nurk just isn't that efficient a post player. And when you have Damian Lillard on your team, 
<laughs> you can't waste post touches on on Yusuf Nurkic no matter how much he wants him. Um, you know, sure. unless he's unless he's consistently drawing a double team or scoring efficiently enough to warrant it. So right. that's it. That's a problem for me uh, as it relates to Nurk. Though I do think you know he'll he'll play good soldier if the Blazers are playing well for sure, and he'll fall in line just as he did just as he did this season. And that's actually a testament to Chauncey as well because I remember uh, I don't remember this quote verbatim, but he was talking about he was frustrated by his lack of post touches, but also saying like I. I will do whatever is best for the team. I believe in Chauncey. I trust in Chauncey. I trust in Dame. I trust in this team. So he's in terms of in terms of his attitude and stuff, I don't doubt that at all if they bring him back. But what I do doubt is just how dynamic he is on both sides of the ball. Um, just because, you know, like I said, he's not a great post scorer. He's not a three-point shooter as much as I'd like him to be. He's not a he's a kind of a unique pick and roll dive man in the sense that he can catch on the short roll and make some plays for his teammates, find cutters, take one dribble, spray the ball to the opposite corner, that type of thing. But he's certainly not skying for alley-oops and bending bending the defense that way. So just ideally, um, you know, for the Blazers to take their next step, they're and this is something I say a lot, their whole is going to have to be greater than the sum of their parts, right? Yeah. That would just be so much easier if offensively, they had a center who could either stretch the floor to the arc or sky for lobs just because that puts so much pressure on a defense and pick and roll. And Nurk is just not that guy to me. Yeah, no, he's definitely not. Uh, he's not the the big man that's going to run in transition. You know, he's not, he's not that guy. You're not going to, you know, catch him on the wing too often. He's not the three point shooting big man. So to me, I believe, you know, the Blazers, they have two options. You either sign Nurk to whatever you want to sign them to and just see how it works out in this next season. Mm-hmm. Or you try to upgrade via trade, but yeah, you kind of got to wonder what can we get for him? Because, you know, as we both know, he's not an all-star, you know, big man. Yeah. Um, he's kind of average, but gets the job done with the group he's with. Mm-hmm. My only thing is that, and this is going to sound weird, but just, you know, kind of trek with me, follow, oh. follow with me here. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, at least for for Dame, I feel like he could kind of benefit more from having a a big man like Nurk, who isn't a star, you know, isn't, you know, just a stud in the post, but could kind of just get the job done compared to having, you know, a superstar center down there. Uh, And I only say that because of the way... Dame's game is, you know, he's he he could do transition, but he's really more, you know, half court uh, oriented, um, you know, three pointers hanging around the uh, the perimeter, you know, driving yeah. here and there, um, you know, when he can. And of course, like we said, as he gets older, probably be less driving and more <laughs> shooting mid range and on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, and I don't want to compare, but I kind of have to in this situation. Uh, Dame and the Blazers, as far as their needs for a big man. They're more similar to how the Phoenix Suns have a, a DeAndre Ayton. And I only say that because, of course, you know, Ayton is younger. He has a little bit more bounce. He could jump. But to me, he's not like an all-star center. He's not a, you know, he's he's not leading the league in, you know, rebounds or points per game. But he gets mm-hmm. the job done. Mm-hmm. And so even if even if the Blazers don't keep Nurk, I think they should get a center like that who's not, not a superstar center, not – you know, a five-star center, but a guy who, you know, he can move around the post, you know, he could bang, he plays good defense, but he doesn't take away too many touches from Dame. And then, of course, you know, most likely Ant being in the starting five next season. Yeah, I mean, as much as I'd like for the Blazers to somehow finagle their way into 
Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid or even Bam Adebayo, you know, stars like that, we all know right. it's not happening. Right. Right. And, and, and as you said, uh, I don't think the Blazers necessarily want a center who's going to take up a lot of, uh, you know, use a lot of possessions as a post-up option, even if, right. that, even if that guy was as efficient as Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, which, you know, those are literally the only guys in the NBA who, who are super efficient, um, high usage post players. But so my idea, and I, and, and I actually just want to be clear. I, I think the Blazers will are totally going to re-sign Nurk. That certainly makes most sense from a cap perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've alluded to, he has such a great relationship with Dame, and that's that's really important. But what I would love for them to at least kick the tires on is just renouncing their free agent rights to Nurk. Um, and they would o- they would only do this if they knew a possible you know a, a trade was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, letting him walk, and then maybe kicking the tires on a trade for a guy like Miles Turner. He's a real. He's a stretch five. He's potentially available if the if the Pacers decide to fully commit to a rebuild. He's one of the best shot blockers in the league, and he's at least as comfortable, you know, catching in short roll situations as Nurk. I think he's not. He's not quite as good a passer. Not quite as in, quite as intuitive a passer or playmaker as Nurk is. But I don't think he's taking anything off the table with, in that respect, especially considering the fact that he really is a legitimate three point shooter. Um, and then another thing I love about Turner this season specifically is that he got a lot better as a defensive rebounder, which was a which had been a problem throughout his career. And then he also shot 66.2% on twos this season compared to 56.3% for Nurk. And that's those were career high numbers for both. And obviously there's a lot of context there. Um, Turner's a little more dependent player, dependent player this last season than Nurk was. So that factors in. But man, I really, really think that the Blazers would be better off with a guy like Miles Turner at the five than Nurk. And of course that's easy for me to say, cause it's not so easy to just go and pick up a guy like Miles Turner. I believe the Blazers, uh, you know, they talked to the Pacers about Miles Turner leading up to the trade deadline. I'm sure they did. Um, but for me, man, I would like, I would not be, if I was Joe Cronin, I would not be content with, you know, just the assumption or, you know, the, the operating assumption that I'm going to re-sign NERC this summer um, without exhausting all my options via trade. Oh, yeah. No, I'm in total agreement with you. They should definitely exhaust all options. They should look high and low for whatever they can get. And I believe we're almost kind of on the same page when it comes to the type of big man type of center that the Blazers not only need, but will pair well with Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't know about you, but I thought Hassan Whiteside was a good fit with Dame. Mm. I, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Jack? I got to say this before you before you reply to what I just said. I can always tell when whatever I just said, you either don't agree with it or you're like. That sounds horrible. That sounds no, terrible. You, <laughs> here's the deal. I, I mean, I, I I did I did respond audibly, and then I was silent for like two or three seconds. But it was because I was thinking, and I was remembering the context of the Blazers signing Hassan Whiteside, mm-hmm. and it was after they made the 2019 Finals without Nurk. Nurk still wasn't Nurk still wasn't ready for the start of 2019-20. And I absolutely loved the uh, Hassan Whiteside signing because we thought he was going to be Nurk's backup, just a temporary starter, and also because he provide or we thought at least he'd provide that lob threat that Dame had never played with before, you know, that we, that we're talking about, you know, the, just that, that vertical spacing aspect, again, Mm -hmm. that Dame has, Dame has never had the luxury of. I thought he would provide that. I even asked Dame about that um, at media day. And he was like, yeah, I I assume that'll be very beneficial for us. Um, And I thought it would too. Of course, Hassan Whiteside wasn't quite engaged that reason, let's say that. Yeah. No. Um, And just in general, you know, playing with, playing with passion and, you know, 
really moving across the floor and uh, not prioritizing his stats over what's best for the team. It's obviously been a problem throughout Hassan Whiteside's career. But no, I actually like that signing too. It just, you know, didn't work out. But the Blazers were in a position um, back then, given what was going on with Nurk, that that signing made sense. Before we move on from Nurk, I have one other trade target that I just want to run by you here. Just, <laughs> just, uh, you know, we don't have to go for ten minutes on this like we did, like we did Turner and all these other uh, all right. all these other contingencies with Nurk. But mm-hmm. what would you think, assuming the Utah Jazz flame out in the playoffs, mm-hmm. if the Blazers went after Rudy Gobert? Uh, hmm, wow, that's interesting. I did not think you were going to say that just now. <laughs> well, that, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not mad at that. Uh, I mean, we all know how, how good Rudy is. You know, we know some of the things he does well. Uh, obviously, I mean, we just spoke about him at the top of the show. Might be one of, if not the tallest, longest players in the league right now outside of uh, uh, Boban in, in, in Dallas. Um, but of course, a little bit more gifted defensively and uh, I believe <laughs> offensively as well. In general, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, just in general. No offense, uh, I, no offense to Levon. Love, right, yeah, no offense, no offense. He he he's a pro like everybody else. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad at that. I now see uh, the only reason I hesitate is because I just try to think about Dame's play style and how he operates on a basketball court and would they mesh well together? Would that be a I think that I mean, you you think so? Yeah, I do. Okay, okay, yeah, you got to tell me more. You got to. Well, you know, the Jazz love running pick and roll. I think they're running a little less pick and roll maybe this season. Off the, I'll actually have to look up the stats on that. But under Quinn Snyder, um, and since they've gotten Donovan Mitchell especially, the Jazz have really subsisted on pick and roll basketball. And, yes, that means spraying the ball from side to side and, and taking advantage of a moving defense and all that. But most of their actions stem from a high or side pick and roll where Rudy Gobert rolls down the lane and puts pressure on defenses vertically You know, as a lob threat, um, as a guy who can seal deep um, on a smaller player, maybe not as much as anyone would like, maybe not as much as I would like. That's obviously mm-hmm. a big criticism of Gobert that he's not quite physical enough once he gets mismatches in the post. Mm-hmm. Um, he, but he can do it a little bit, and he shot you know, 71 72% from the field this year, led the league. Um, I would I would just love it. I honestly think it's a great idea. I'm not sure how realistic it is because, <laughs> again, there are a lot of contingencies here that we have to factor in. And the, the biggest one is just whether or not Rudy Gobert wants to leave Utah or Utah wants to move on from Rudy Gobert. And then you'd have to think of, you know, do the Blazers have enough assets to get a deal like that done? Um, and the answer is probably no, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's also – there's also the possibility that Rudy Gobert's value, whether or not it should, dips substantially if if Utah is ousted from the playoffs uh, from the playoffs quickly. And you know, as we've discussed, I was going to say on multiple episodes, but uh, we've just had <laughs> one recorded episode. Right. But as we've previously discussed, to account for the fact that the Blazers, most of their lineups next season are going to feature two six-three guards who don't necessarily hang their hat on defense in Dame and Ant. The, the Blazers, what they really could use is an eraser like Gobert in the paint. Um, and, a, and another thing that I love about Gobert is that he's not just an eraser in the paint. He's not just the best rim protector in the NBA. He's scheme versatile as well. You know, he can come up, he can play up the touch, he can trap ball handlers and race back, race back to the rim as the defense rotates behind them. He can even switch. That's something he's gotten so much better at this season. Um, and, you know, we, as we, 
we saw with Chauncey Billups this season, one of the one of the things I really like about him is that he's comfortable switching up defenses. Um, now the stats don't necessarily suggest that uh, he was doing that correctly, but nope. as we know, there's a lot of noise behind that. But I just like the I like the versatility behind Chauncey Billups, um, the way he the way he goes about defense, especially as it relates to Terry Stotts. Um, and I really think he could get the best out of Rudy Gobert, and most importantly, Rudy could help Dame and Ant kind of reach a reach a defensive peak, if you will, that otherwise just wouldn't exist for them. No, I absolutely agree with that. I uh, I think you actually did kind of just sell me and convince me on it. Hey, it yeah. As of, as of right now, I'm looking at the Western Conference standings. Of course, we know the uh, play-in tournament has started, and I'm just looking at some of the uh, teams in the West and thinking about. Uh, how many of them have pretty prolific big men um, with Joker in Denver. You got Cat in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? I mean, Draymond's not the biggest big, but he definitely, you know, he starts trouble down there um, in the post. And so I'm thinking, yeah, if 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 uh, Portland would be able to, you know, pull something like that off, I think that'd probably be the steal of, you know, maybe their entire existence possibly. <laughs> but uh, th- no, I think that'd be extremely beneficial for them. Like you said, I don't think it'll happen, but it it would be great and it would benefit them greatly because they need a defender down there. They need size. They need, I mean, with Nurk, he takes up space down there, but you got to have somebody that, you know, can do it on uh, the defensive end and uh, the offensive end of the ball. And especially, like I said, we, we know Dame's getting up there in age and they already have a lot of guys who are in that, you know, uh, one guard, two guard size. Mm-hmm. So you got to balance that out with, you know, an elite big man somewhere in the mix there. Now I want to finish off this Nurkic Turner Gobert talk with again. I think Nurk's coming back. I think the Blazers are re-signing him to, you know, a deal, two, three, three-year deal. Maybe play, maybe a team option if it's a if it's more than three or four years. Um, you know, to an annual salary anywhere from fourteen to seventeen million dollars is probably mm-hmm. that's, that, that's what I think is definitely bound to happen. But. Man, I would absolutely, I would absolutely exhaust all my options if I was Joe Cronin, and you know, even the least likely option, I think, which would be trading for Rudy Gobert. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> let's do it. Finally, finally. Uh, did you? I mean, just a question here. Did you have any more negatives listed that we can go over? Because I've got a couple. Uh, I don't. Not not based off of uh, Sunday's game. I'll say I'll say that. So whatever negatives you provide, I'm sure we'll agree on because we both saw how this season went. But as far as Sunday's game goes, no, I knew how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they, obviously they lost, but you know, great effort in the, in the first half from the uh, from the young guys on the squad there. Yeah. So this negative, it's a, it's a pretty niche thing and it's pretty specific, but you know, that matters for a team like the Blazers who are really trying to level up in the Western conference next season, especially because this player really factors heavily into their plans. And that's Nasir Little. And Mm. it's specifically his three point shooting this season, which took a small step back. um, And considering that's going to be his biggest swing scale in terms of whether or not he becomes a you know a quality starter in the NBA, and that's potential I think he has, or mm-hmm. just a quality rotation player. That's a there's a big difference there between you know being a team's fourth best player or eighth or ninth best player. Yeah, um, you know it's the swing skill for Nasir is always going to be shooting, and this season he shot thirty three point one percent on from three versus thirty five percent last season. And yes, there was slightly higher volume this season, um, but the volume didn't really increase that much. He only took more threes mostly because. 
he was just playing a lot more minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And he, you know, I've pulled up pulled up some numbers here, and on catch and shoot threes specifically, and that's obviously going to be the vast majority of uh, types of threes that Nasir Little is going to take. Um, not not just because he's playing with Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons, but because you know he's not necessarily the most skilled guy with the ball. Let's say, right? Um, he shot thirty three point one percent on catch and shoot threes this season. That's a way below average number compared to thirty seven point five percent last season. Again, volume matters here, but it just really, really would have been nice to be as optimistic as possible going into next season. Um, if Nasir took strides as a three-point shooter that he did elsewhere in his game, um, and you know, and you can you can talk about the the improvements he made as a driver, as a as a finisher from floater range. You know, he loves driving left, attacking closeouts, and then just stopping really quickly and hopping up for that little two-foot floater. Um, mm-hmm. He got he got so much better at that this season, and then just his overall feel and decision making uh, offensively really really improved this season. But just as a shooter. And, he just didn't really happen for him. And considering that's his biggest swing skill, I think it's something to kind of harp on here. Yeah, no, it, there's definitely room for improvement when it comes to his three-point shooting. He could be a lot more uh, consistent there. There's oftentimes I would find myself watching the game and, you know, I would see the ball either get swung to him or somehow he would end up with it on the baseline or somewhere around the perimeter. And I automatically assumed it was going in. And I feel like too often – uh, they kind of just clanked off the rim or yeah. something like that. So that's something that I do believe, you know, he should and can improve on. But on the other hand, for me, if he doesn't, I, it's not a total loss, in my opinion, just because I do feel like he's one of those young guys that has great energy. Oh, yeah. Um, he seems to play very aggressive. Uh, mm-hmm. If you, can, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, you could throw a lob to, with whether it's in transition, Absolutely. Um, coming off a, you know, a pick and roll situation, or if he takes the back door. You know, he's a threat uh, in the air. So that's mm-hmm. something that I do like compared to, you know, Nurk or, uh, you know, whoever else is on the roster. So for, for me, yeah, you got to think long term with Nas. And I feel like even in, in summer league and even in uh, the draft and whatever happens in the offseason with free agency, uh, you got to keep that in mind that in him, you do have that high energy, that guy that's going to, you know, get into the paint and, you know, will aggressively attack the rim. Mm-hmm. You know, find guys who maybe their game is a little bit opposite or a little bit, you know, they do something better. Maybe a three point shooter, like, you know, yeah. we discussed. Obviously, we both hope Ben McElmore, uh comes back next year because he's a consistent and great three point shooter and has been since, you know, his college days. Um, but you got to get somebody else that'll fill in, you know, uh, around the perimeter outside of just Dame and Ant and, you know, the usual suspects. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I don't want to, and I don't want to dispense with the possibility that Nas turns into a quality three point shooter. I think, you know, he's one of the youngest guys on the team. I think he's just 21 or 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's still very, very early in his development, especially considering that he was a complete non-shooter at North Carolina. And then his, and then his first year in the league, that's one of the reasons why he slid to, I believe it was 25th on draft night. Um, mm-hmm. In 2019, after being like a, I think a consensus top 10 recruit going into his freshman year, but it would just be again optimal for the Blazers if they could count on Nas being a quality three point shooter next season, a guy that a you know defenders have to account for on the weak side, who they can't sloth off, sloth off of, uh, you know, to send an extra defender at Dame or Ant in pick and roll with Nurk, that type of thing. Um, just because again, as we as we keep discussing. 
the Blazers need to get better fast, right? They need to level up fast in the Western Conference. And, you know, Dame, you, you said Dame took the mic and said it at, ha- at halftime of last night's game, but they are going to get better. And one of the ways they can definitely get better is if Nasir Little becomes a legitimate three-point shooter, even if it's just a league average three-point shooter. If he gets back to 36 37% on catch-and-shoot threes and is around 35%, um, on the season on, you know, on average volume or even the volume that he just took, that he established this season, I think that would be a win. But again, considering just all the strides he took in general, um, and it was really quietly uh, kind of nationally, I didn't get much attention because he's not necessarily the type of guy who's going to put up huge numbers or, or anything like that. Um, but Chauncey Billups even discussed it often at the beginning of the season before Nas became a starter that Man, whenever Nas came in the game, he just gave the Blazers a shot of adrenaline on both, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's absolute that type of pop, that type of athletic pop, the force and the explosiveness that he plays with, offensively, defensively, in transition, um, even in the half court, you know, as, as as you said, he can he can skulk along the baseline as a lob threat. He's a he's a good active cutter. He's a, he's became a much much better and engaged help defender this season. Um, if you package everything that Nas is already bringing to the table with even just league average three-point shooting, I think you may have a starter as soon as next season. Um, and if he's not a starter, you know, then he's an impactful wing player, and that's something the Blazers need too. Absolutely. And, yeah, we both agree on that. He just provides a, uh, an elite level of energy whenever he steps into the game. And it's almost unnatural because, yeah. you know, he'll come from sitting on the bench for, you know, however long. And he's immediately just alert and aware on the court, um, which is, you know, usually rare for young guys like that, you know, kind of takes them a while to, you know, kind of have that energy to just jump up and, you know, be so present. Uh, but I actually do see him being a starter. So I don't know when that's going to happen or if it will, but I would start him, immediately if if it, if it was my decision it could, so it could happen uh, as soon as next season you know right like you know he, he was starting this season chauncey you know made him a starter i believe it was late november mm-hmm. after the after the starters you know the <laughs> whenever uh you know the six minute mark that first time out the blazers would suddenly be down eight nine points just <laughs> right so lethargic um and then Nas would come in with that really what I thought was controlled energy this season. That's one of the things that really impressed me is that he still brought the energy that he had before, but he just did it with so much control. It was really, really impressed me. Um, so yeah, I would not be surprised at all if he was the starter next season, but it would be best for the Blazers if he was the starter and a league average three point shooter, I guess is what I'm getting at. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So let's get one more question that needs answering here and we can just do it very quickly because <laughs> it's, a, it's a, well, very quickly. We can try, right? Yeah, right. Um, of course. It's pretty existential, and it's one we've discussed before, but I do think it's one of the defining questions for the Blazers heading into next season, and it's this. Can Damon Ant be better on both ends than Damon CJ were? <laughs> now, you want me to give my answer first, or you want to give yours? I'll say I didn't take any notes on this. Okay. I got, I got right. no notes. I'm looking at a blank sheet. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump off here. All right. I think it's going to be a lot to ask for them to be better than Dame and CJ were next season, but I do think it's possible uh, just because of the additional rim pressure that Ant provides as opposed to CJ, given the fact that the Blazers will be able to become an even more high-volume three-point shooting team because Ant you know, is more comfortable launching from three than CJ was. Um, 
I I really do think it's possible. He's a he's a he's a more explosive, better athlete than CJ was, and you know I'm not sure he's a better defender than CJ right now, but I do think he has the potential to be a better defender. I'm certainly not a positive defender, even a league average defender, not a lockdown guy, anything like that. But if he continues making strides defensively in terms of team concepts, in terms of getting around screens, contesting from rear view, that type of thing, I do think he can be at least as good. Uh, defensively as CJ is while adding a little more offensively just because he's more explosive in terms of uh, in terms of getting to the rim and then also you know stepping behind the line for for more threes than CJ was ever going to be comfortable taking hmm. okay uh, I like that I, I kind of I felt like you were gonna say something like that so that was right on par with uh, <laughs> the Jack winter brand that's good <laughs> you definitely have a brand you, wow. you need to talk to uh Talk to the good folks over at uh, at Clutch Points. Uh, <laughs> you, you have a brand, that's for sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, no. To close us, to close us out, um, can Dame and Ant be better than Dame and CJ McCollum? Okay, I, it's a two part answer. Well, well, me. well, let me just say this because they're going to have to be right. Like, like they're going to have to be for the Blazers to reach the heights that Dame wants to reach during his time in Portland, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, they are going to have to be. Uh, but here, here's here's what my original answer was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my original answer was this. Um, what the one thing that benefits Dame and Ant will be that at least for Ant, he's gonna have more of his his coaching and um, uh, what's the word? Yeah, coaching, training, and learning. He's gonna have more of that under Coach Chauncey Billups mm-hmm. than CJ did. Mm-hmm. And I think for Ant's development, because he's so young, that's going to really benefit his relationship with Dame and how they play and, you know, mesh together on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, on the opposite end, you have Dame, who's pretty much a, a league veteran now. You have CJ, who's definitely a league veteran as well. And they both pretty much started in Portland at the same time or around the same time. Yeah, uh, they're, CJ one year later than Dame, yeah. Right, yeah, only a year apart um, as far as their their league tenure goes, and I think only a year or two apart age wise as well, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I believe so. Um, right, so that's the that's the other the other side of the coin in, uh, that I see is that okay, yeah, the good thing is Damon Ant they're both going to be playing under Chauncey Billups again, second year in a row. Um, this is going to be more time that Ant has to develop under Chauncey Billups, but the downside is they don't have the same years of camaraderie and playing together that Dame and CJ had. And I think that's what, now I think, I know that's what made Dame and CJ so good is because they played together for so long, you know? Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and and we know for a fact that Ants will not be able to play with Dame for as long as CJ did because of Dame's age. I mean, you agree yeah. with that, right? Dame would be about 40, I think. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Dame would be 40 and you know, not the same player he is now. So I don't know if that even answers the question, but that's how I look at it. That's my perspective on it right now is that Ant has a super high ceiling and, you know, Dame is kind of just going to ride off into the sunset these next couple of years, still play at a high level, but Mm -hmm. you know, we know he's getting up there in age where I feel like Dame and CJ, they were like on the launching pad because they, they came in just a year apart, you know, only a year or two apart age wise. So, you know, they're like bosom buddies. They, they could, they only had ceiling and potential to, to maximize where 
really now in this situation. I think it's more Ant. It's his time mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, take it up to a whole nother level. And really Dame's at that part of his career where he's coming back from a major injury. You know, he's in his 30s now, and he's going to have to start adjusting his game to what the new league, what the new NBA looks like with all these young guys, you know, flying around and jumping through the roof and, you know, that type of thing. So I don't know. Does that answer the question at all? I don't think it did, but. No, no I think it does a little bit because we, we differ on it, right? Like, like, like we've discussed this a bit. Like, right, um, right. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm of the opinion that whether or not Ant and Dame should start together, they are definitely going to start together just because of the organizational equity, I guess, if you will, that Ant is going to have after he signs his his massive contract as a restricted free agent this summer. So, mm-hmm. so I do think we, we disagree a little bit here, but just something I really like that you said about Ant is that just the potential he has. And that, mm-hmm. that to me is why I think it's a possibility at least that Damon Ant could be better than Damon CJ. And this kind of, this will almost take us full circle here for the end of the show too. So it's perfect. Okay. It's just that, you know, I am, I'm done putting a ceiling on Anthony Simons, you know? Oh yeah. Like, like coming into this season, I was of the, this season, I suppose it's almost last season now, huh? <laughs> right. Coming into 2020, 21, 22, I was of the opinion that you know, Ant was only capable of being kind of a microwave scorer off the bench, and that very well may be his his peak, his optimal role. He could he could turn into that type of player, um, which would you know, which would honestly be a great career for him. Um, you know, he'd yeah fill that role for eight to nine years and make a lot of money and yes. play a lot of really important basketball games. Mm-hmm. But what we saw from him, um, and I these are dates I mentioned on the last show as well, from January third to. March 25th, when Dame was out, when CJ was out for most of that time, Norm was out, and then they traded those guys at the de- at the trade deadline. Anthony Simon seemed like he was, in the future, going to be capable of being, you know, a great offense's lead playmaker. Basically, he um, took over. He took yeah, over. He really did. He really did. And I and I just I just didn't see it in terms of in terms of volume three point shooting. Uh, how we manipulated the floor and pick and roll once once defense is put two on the ball. Uh, the way he was finishing both from floater range and then at the rim. Um, his his change of his changes of pace. The way he would fake defenders out um, and manipulate the defense that way before uh, you know finding open shooters, finding cutters, finding the roll man. Uh, making getting hockey assists, all that, all that type of thing that I just, I just didn't think Ant had that knack, had that feel, um, has what has had what it takes to be again the lead initiator for a good offense. But mm-hmm. I, I think we saw a lot of that this season. So I do not want to put a ceiling on Anthony Simons. And with that, with that unknown about a ceiling, just that unknown begets hope. You know, and it's, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Just as as good as good as CJ and Dame were, they had a ceiling. They had a ceiling on them. Um, right. And, yeah. that's why, and that's why Dame was calling for those changes last summer, not to single CJ out. Of course, there were a lot of reasons why that team would, had been maximized. Mm-hmm. Um, but just just the fact that Anthony Simons really does have the potential to be a lot better, um, given the fact that he's 22 and his meteoric rise this season, that gives me optimism that perhaps Dame and Ant, while still not an optimal pairing because of, you know, the deficiencies they have and then some of the similarities they share as well, that can get a little redundant. Um, still, that 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 provides a lot of optimism for me going into next season that Dame and Ant could actually be better than Dame and CJ. I'm not saying it's going to happen next season, but I'm saying it's possible and that's what it's going to take for the Blazers to be at their best. Here's what I'll say. This is my proclamation. This is yeah. not it's not a hot take in my opinion. You may think it's a hot take, but you'll let me know after I say it. Uh, <laughs> my last big statement for this episode yeah. is right now, the way I see it from what I saw from Ants in that 
you know, month or two or three month stretch that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. We saw him just have, you know, his scoring ability is just insane and his ceiling. There is no ceiling right now. His potential's through the roof. Mm -hmm. I see Ant as next up. Whenever Dame retires, whenever Dame's career is, you know, starts to kind of slow roll to, to an end. And if Ant is still in Portland, he's the next great Blazer guard, next great Portland Trail Blazer guard. And when I say that, I mean, I feel like he's going to be regarded as the Brandon Roy's, mm -hmm. uh, how Dame is regarded right now. Ant is going to be that guy whenever, whenever, whenever Dame hands him the reins, when he passes the torch to him, and if Ant is still in Portland, it's going to be his team. Justice, let's end on that sunny note of positivity. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. As always, my friend, tell our listeners where they can follow your work. Absolutely. And you know this, you know, coming from me, this is a joy, a pleasure. Uh, we always have a great time. I don't think people know how much we talk and text behind the scenes, but uh, we actually really do get along. So uh, this is not acting. We, I hope we people really can tell. Right. Yeah, I think I think they can. Um, I hope they can. But yes, uh, as always, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at that's at Justice Rogers TV. That's J-U-S-T-U-S-R-O-G-E-R-S-T-V. That's at Justice Rogers TV. Mostly active on Twitter, talking sports, especially NBA all the time. Uh, baseball season's back, so I'm talking Dodgers. That's my that's oh, my wow. team there. Um, but uh, yeah, we got uh, play in tournament basketball. I'm looking forward to watching uh, the East and the West and uh, seeing what happens in the postseasons. Our, our Blazers are done, but uh, as uh, folks know, we'll be here talking Trailblazers as always. <laughs> That's right, and you can follow my work at Clutch Points, obviously, and then I am on Twitter at Armstrong Winter. Follow me there, Justice. I think it's time for us probably to go watch the Clippers-Timberwolves play-in game. I know I got it recorded. So I will see you next week, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jack Winter. All right. See you. Thanks. All right. All right.